Hello, and welcome to NeuroCurious, a podcast about all things brain, body, mind, and culture, not necessarily in that order. I'm Deborah Budding, joined by co-hosts Jamie Jones and Peggy Schaefer, and today's episode is going to look at transcranial direct current stimulation, or TDCS. Uh, it's a means of modulating the brain's function through, um, scare quote, non-invasive uh, electrical stimulation. Uh, we're also going to talk about long-term effects of concussion on football players. Um, and fortunately, we happen to have somebody with us who knows a lot about both of these things, Dr. Matthew Wright from Harbor UCLA. Um, and he is going to help us understand these things better and navigate through all the mounds of conflicting information. Um, also, we have to do a shout out for Prince, yeah. Um, yeah. who uh, passed away this week, and we're all very, very sad. Um, so welcome, Matt. Thank you. And so you can see him wearing purple and high heels. You are. Like you are. <laughs> we appreciate that. So, um, so for those people who don't know you, um, and I feel sad for them, um, tell us about yourself. Okay. So um, I'm Matt Wright. Um, I direct neuropsychology services and training at Harbor UCLA Medical Center, and I'm a faculty member at UCLA in psychiatry. Um, my research is primarily focused on traumatic brain injury, and so I've done work in sports concussion and also in moderate to severe traumatic brain injury where I'm using TDCS to see if I can improve memory performances. I think that's it in about a nutshell. Right. You're also a banging skateboarder. I do still skateboard, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so um, one of the things we thought we'd sort of talk about, since it's sort of a, a hot topic these days, is, is um, chronic traumatic brain injuries in football players. It definitely is a hot topic. Um, you know, there's both sides people some people on one side say you know every kind of injury in sports or any kind of subconcussive blow leads to some chronic thing now the other side people are throwing up their hands saying concussion hysteria concussion hysteria you know so it's good to find a middle ground on this and I think one of the big issues that they've had in this area is if you look at the literature most of the pieces out there are opinion pieces right they're not based on data and the data that's out there some of it's good and some of it's not so good um, so we did a study with retired pro football players to see if we could develop some uh, data-driven tools to see what happens to folks due to sports concussion. Mm -hmm. And so recently we published an article, um, and what we did in it is we looked at various harmful and helpful factors mm -hmm. for a concussion outcome, or at least for cognitive outcomes right. from concussion. And so obviously on the harmful side, we have things like concussion and different concussion characteristics and the things that uh, the research has shown to be the most uh, important there are um, not just the frequency of concussion um, but what happens it's not necessarily right. loss of consciousness that's not as important mm -hmm. what is important are things like retrograde amnesia and mm -hmm. post-traumatic amnesia now retrograde amnesia is just memory loss for everything before the in injury so right. some period before the injury uh, post-traumatic amnesia is a uh, memory loss for things that have happened after the injury mm -hmm. to some mm -hmm. point. So we didn't do the study prospectively, so we collected a lot of data. So we did have PTA or post-traumatic amnesia data. Um, another thing that's important is how close those concussions are together. Yeah. So the closer they're together, the worse it is. 
and that impacts that that information is important in terms of like return to play. Right. Absolutely. Stuff. Yeah, the current return to play protocol um, has a, at a minimum would be seven days, but nobody everybody extends it longer than that. And at each step, like the first step, if somebody's had a concussion, um, complete cognitive and physical rest. Mm-hmm. And they progress through different uh, levels of activity till they get to like light practice and return to play. And if they show any concussive signs as they move forward in a step, they get kicked back a step. Mm-hmm. And that's great. You know, um, people are out of the game for longer now after concussion. Um, but EEG research has shown that even 45 days post-concussion, there's abnormal brain activity. Yeah. So things are still going on even when there's no more behavioral signs. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so that's the harmful stuff I talked about some of it, right? Yeah. Frequency of concussion, post-traumatic amnesia, and um, uh, how close the concussions are together. So we looked at that. We, we made a, like, a little index that included that and included helpful factors, and those were... Uh, what we call cognitive reserve and there's a lot of things that come together that uh, give rise to cognitive reserve and that's just your resilience to mm-hmm. brain injury uh, due to uh, what we think are more efficient neural networks mm-hmm. due to experience so education higher intelligence occupational attainment all those mentally challenging things give rise to higher cognitive reserve mm-hmm. and folks with greater cognitive reserve do better from traumatic brain injury they take longer to decline in cases of Alzheimer's disease and things mm-hmm. like that. So basically, we took all these cognitive reserve factors on one side of the equation, and we subtracted all these concussive factors from them. Mm-hmm. I can get into the details, but it's kind of complicated. But in a nutshell, that's what we did. And that gave us an index. Mm-hmm. And that index uh, accounted for a large amount of the variance in cognitive outcomes in retired pro football players, even 20 years post-injury, mm-hmm. or post-play, I should say. Mm-hmm. So. It's a data-driven mm-hmm. method, you know, and you can take an index like that and say, okay, I'm going to plug another concussion or two with a similar severity or a worse severity and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I think we need tools like that for sports concussion, especially for youth, mm-hmm. to determine when we send people back or not. Because I remember before all of this uh, attention was shed on sports concussion, we still had this issue. Right. I remember seeing a girl, a uh, soccer player, and... Um, she was about, you know, she was adult, but she was young, and um, she had three concussions in one year. And the first, uh, she was uh, in a game, and she collided with another player. She was taken out of the game. She recovered. They sent her back. Second concussion happened uh, during uh, practice, and she fell and just hit her head on the ground and had a concussion. That's another bad sign. Right. If you have a concussion that occurs with a lesser impact, Yep. That means there's more significant injury there. Yeah. Real quickly, is there yeah. any evidence that when one has a concussion, they're more likely to then have another one? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's been shown. Yeah, okay. definitely. Um, if you have a concussion, you're more likely to have another one mm-hmm. uh, for sure. And um, there's evidence that uh, uh, females have worse outcomes than males mm-hmm. in terms of concussion. And another thing that people don't think about is cheerleaders. Right. They get lots of concussions. Right. So coming back to the soccer player, though, yeah. So she was taken out of the game after the second concussion. The doctor said, you can't go back. She finally got to go back to practice, but she had to wear a helmet. Well. That made it worse, I bet. Yeah, that would throw off, yeah. It could, right? Yeah. But um, one day after practice, she decided to take off her helmet and hang out with her friends and play. And she ran into a goalpost. Oh, my God. And so third concussion. 
And so at that point, you know, you have evidence of risky behavior, obviously some impaired <laughs> visual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, one could say the her judgment was a little yeah, off uh -huh, before. Yeah, right. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and a little, uh, some impairment in visual attention, uh -huh. things like that. You know, a pole is a stationary thing. It's kind of hard to hit it. Right. Um, so, you know, we saw her. Obviously, she had very bad uh, visual attention and some other things. We recommended no return to play because of the risky behaviors and everything else. But that was before all the return to play protocol stuff happened. I think things are a lot better now, but there's right. room for improvement because, like I said, a lot of what all this stuff is based on is subjective. Right. We need more data-driven tools. We need to be able to plug numbers in on an individual basis because different people have different outcomes. Not everybody who played football has CTE. Right. Right? Um, so oh, oh, define CTE for those few people who might not know what it is. Chronic traumatic encephalopathy, and mm -hmm. it's a neuropathology that they have identified uh, associated with repeated sports concussion. Um, it's the subject of the movie Concussion. Uh, so maybe you want to check that out, but it's uh, the facts that are a little, yeah, you know, a little yeah. different. Um, but it's, it's a movie. It's a movie. <laughs> it's definitely a movie. Yeah. Um, so that's you know, in a nutshell, what we did with the professional pro uh, uh, retired pro football players in this I with this index, and it's out. Uh, we have the index out there. We hope other people use it in research, or at least think, start to think along these lines, so we have more data-driven tools yeah. to help them out. Yeah. But I think the key thing that I find interesting about this work is the, the thing that really made this index uh, account for a lot of the variance in cognitive outcome was including cognitive reserve. Yeah. It's, you know, that bit about those efficient neural networks. Right. And that's maybe a good way we can sort of segue into talking about TBCS um, as a means of um, potentially impacting network efficiency, et cetera. Um, this wasn't on our list to talk about, but it just occurred to me um, when we're talking about cognitive efficiency, um, how what are the different things that go into a person developing mm -hmm. resilience and cognitive efficiency, especially yeah. when you're looking at things like nutrition, well, you know, socioeconomic yeah. Yeah. stuff, well, cultural I'm glad, stuff. I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things I was thinking about when I was reading the article is that who would care how cognitive resource gets connected to neglect, right? Yeah. They're filling the bucket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're filling that reserve bucket. You know, I haven't done any research on pediatric cognitive reserve, but I would imagine what you'd want to look at is the influences around them in their environment. Mm -hmm. um, how well their parents have done is kind of a good indicator. Um, what things they're exposed to, enriching activities and things like that. I think those would be really good things to look at as a proxy for at least potential cognitive reserve or current cognitive reserve. Um, we also know it's, it's a little more complicated in, in cases of childhood brain injury. You know, if you, have, if you have a brain injury before a major skill is developed, it's less likely to be developed, right? So um, that all has to be taken into account. It's a much more complicated picture for sure. Right, and, and thinking about youth sports, right, like how, you know, what are some, what are some ways that we can be protective of the kids if, if we're going to allow our kids to play football? <coughs> Not my children. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, but so you guys feel all feel the same way, like you take your kids out of uh, contact sports? My kids played soccer. Okay. My, well, so my kids played, con contact. yeah, my kids played contact sports. Um, yeah. Interestingly, my oldest played football when he was much younger. Yeah. I was like, I want him to play football. 
And my pediatrician said, really? She said, this way the frog's safer without a helmet on their head than talking. So well, all that well, there's well, rotational it's, forces there. Right. Yeah. I mean, so to me, the thing about the helmet thing is like, well, did, but is the helmet inside your skull? You know, yeah. because the whole thing is that it's yeah, it's the the brain, the, the brain hitting the inside of your skull, yep. um, and with a body blow, like, okay. <laughs> right. I mean, even just it's just those rotational forces, right? Yeah. You know, uh, when I give presentations on concussion, I always ask everybody, what animal is immune to concussion? And then I. Survey the audience, and I play a video of a woodpecker pecking, mm-hmm. and it's it's not. I mean, they have some specialized equipment. They have a pad behind the beak yeah. and all this other mm-hmm. stuff, but it's really not that. It's the linear motion which w- mm-hmm. they peck. If they like twisted their head around when they peck, they would be demented in a day. Yeah. You know, so it's like um, we can't, we don't have that ability. No, and I, and I found it so interesting that this was the advice coming from a pediatrician, right? Who, by the yeah. way, has a side eye when he said that. Right. Found ways of discouraging my son from ever playing again without coming up and saying he's going to play. Right. That's imp- it's <laughs> important to trick your children that way. Um, he had other things to do. The thing I worry about with that is like you know boys um, typically want to do something physical, right? Mm-hmm. And then if they're not allowed to do it at home, sometimes they find other ways to do it that may be oh, more yeah. dangerous. Absolutely. Well, that's why I let him play matches, right? Okay. And, and one of the things that became very clear is he's my son. Yeah. And for those of you that can't, you know, have never seen me, I'm all of 5'2 or 5'1 and really tall. Yeah. <laughs> so he would, he would never play ball material. Yeah. What about martial arts? Yep, good point. Very good point, actually. Um, I was about to bring that up. That's probably one of the more safer yeah. uh, sports yeah. for concussion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether you're doing Taekwondo or whatever. Um, you I mean, mixed martial arts is another matter. Well, yeah. well, you know, you live here close. Yeah, but so if you're sparring, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of places for, for youth uh, uh, martial arts won't allow people to take head hits. No. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if they do, um, when you're sparring, say, on Taekwondo, mm-hmm. a kick to the head is devastating. But you can see it from a mile away. It's very unlikely that it's going to occur, or at least if it occurs, it's a very <laughs> low-frequency occurrence. Um, so they find that there's a lot less concussions in something like Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. Mixed martial arts, different story. Yeah. Right. But we know that from the, some of the research preliminary work with mixed martial artists and boxers, mixed martial artists fare a lot better. Yeah. Right. Well, Could the be that they're brighter thing. going into it. Right. I don't know, mm-hmm. but yeah. Well, I would say yeah. all... Yeah. yeah, the grappling, I think, saves them a lot. But then there's the things like the body throws, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that, or the, the, the blood chokes, you know, reducing oxygen to the brain, you think would have more of an impact. But so you think it's the... Un- sorry. You think it's the unexpectedness of it is causes the violence of the action, causes the more the head, the brain to smack more on the side? Well, I think that... Well, it's... The outcomes are worse in boxing than they are in... In mixed martial arts, for whatever reason, more it, it, more it, head blows, more like I think yeah, because the target head. for boxing is the body or the head, right? And you usually work the body so you can get to the head, right? And so um, I think that 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 fact that that's the target makes it worse potentially. Also, we got to remember there's cognitive reserve. People are coming into these sports at different levels and different backgrounds. I think there's something to be said about kind of going back to DNF, which we've talked about, is that in martial arts there is more of a sort of central body awareness piece to it, right? I'm not a boxer, but the positions of the body in boxing mm-hmm. are not as, I would say, it, primitive or infantile. I don't mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, in, as in with martial arts. Because when I watch a body in martial arts, there's something very familiar about the way that they move. Right. With boxing, it feels very not. 
Right. So going back to the cognitive reserve piece, that's where I would go, okay, they also have an awareness of their body in a different way. Yeah. From a, 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 an earlier development point. Yeah. So w- and we should explain. So yeah, pe- Peggy is, um, is a neurologic music therapist, and she also is getting trained in dynamic neuromuscular stabilization, which is this really cool intervention that's sort of movement and... and mm-hmm. How, how, in a nutshell, how would you describe what DNS is for, um, for Matt? It's about understanding that each muscle when we're born is encoded with a movement plan okay. and how we utilize those plans and how d- we develop through from birth. I mean, I'm only on the first cord, so we're up to right. nine months. But <laughs> I'm up to nine months. Yeah, there yeah. You go. Uh, literally. Um, <laughs> when you get it analyzed, you figure out where things went wrong. But... Um, so from zero to nine months in this case, we look at, or they're looking at how the brain is using from a, an encoding standpoint, certain muscles to get into certain postures mm-hmm. based mm-hmm. on movement development. So, so it's developing muscle, movement posture, patterns. Correct, and how when, when you miss those steps as a baby or what have you, there are repercussions to that later on. So you're over-recruiting superficial muscle systems and under-recruiting core stabilizers. Yeah, I, you know, I think that um, the difference for boxing and other and other martial arts is that there's a limited motion in boxing because yeah. there's limited things you can do. Yeah. You can't kick somebody, yeah, you can't grab, you know, so. So you don't get a lot of robust um, kind of generalization of But what they do have in the, in the smaller right. movements they have, like if you, you may hate Floyd Mayweather, but if you ever watch him mm-hmm. like slip, I mean, it's crazy. The amount yeah. of movement somebody can do in such a small space just yeah. to avoid something. And um, having done a little bit of both, um, I think they're both really taxing in terms of motor learning mm-hmm. and uh, really helpful. I, so I did a, a tiny bit of boxing when I was younger, um, but later on I did, um, I also did Taekwondo and I did uh, Boxe Francaise Savat, which is a French form of kickboxing that integrates uh, an old French art that's just a kicking art mm-hmm. and uh, with uh, English boxing. And so um, definitely there's something to be learned from all of them. Um, I think that they all, you know, for the most part, use some kind of natural yeah. body postures, yeah, but yeah. Um, at the same time, yeah, you, you're limited by what the rules of that sport mm-hmm. are, for yeah, sure. That's a good point. Yeah, but there is that natural movement piece to it. Yeah. yeah. They're definitely not like Tai Chi or something right. like that, where right. you're using a lot more circular motions, a lot more body weight kind of like transfer. Yeah. But I find that interesting that that would then reduce concussion. That those, the sports that are more connected to the more natural movement, as you're saying? Well, I think that it's maybe the fact that what what the rules are. I think the rules kind of mm-hmm. set the stage. For MMA, the rules are really focused on grappling. It's a very grappling-centric mm-hmm. sport. So you go to the ground, you try to get a lock on somebody's arm, mm-hmm. that's not going to cause a concussion. Right. Um, the just, stri- a, just a shoulder dislocation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> striking to the head is, the, the, is like the goal in, in most boxing fights. Mm-hmm. You know, most people don't go and say, I'm just going to work the body until I get a TKO from breaking somebody's rib. Um, they they want to get a knockout or something, so they're always going to the head. Yeah. They're getting multiple head hits over and over again. And you'll see the guys; they'll get a standing eight count, but they'll be okay, and they'll let them go back and fight. You know, they're already a little concussed, yeah. oh, right? Yeah. Right, and yeah. the way they're walking yeah. and stuff, and they go right yeah. back to it. So, I think that that has a lot more to yeah. do with it. Okay. Um, but that's yeah. just my opinion. No, no, no. We want your opinion, Matt. Always. Okay. Um, so why don't we segue a bit into um, TDCS and, and sort of talk about, one, what it is, um, 
some of the you know, current controversies, quote unquote, about it, um, including the all of the home TVCS stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And then we're actually going to do just a little bit of a demonstration, possibly, um, after after a break. Um, uh, Matt is going to uh, he he brought his uh, little traveling TVCS equipment, and and Peggy is going to be the guinea pig. But she made us promise no pictures. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, she she might be the guinea pig, but she has very thick hair, so I don't I do. know. I don't know how well it will work. So yes. we might have to find. Oh, we might else. have to Bill. do it on Bill. 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 <laughs> Why didn't I know that was going to happen? <laughs> Saved by the bill. You only knew how often that's said. Can I take your picture on that one? You can take as many pictures as you want. Yes, we must take pictures. Okay, so let's start. Be careful. Or you just shave your head. No. I think we I might have a razor in the bag. I know. I could have just had my head clipped. All right. So, focus. Focus. All right. So, let's talk about TVCS. What is it? Uh, it's transcranial direct current stimulation. So uh, it's a mild electrical current that's passed into the brain through, usually through sponge electrodes. And so anytime you have electricity, you have positive and negative. So positive is a nodal, uh, negative is cathodal current. Um, so you have a, uh, an anodal and a cathodal electrode you put on somebody's head usually. Um, and depending on how you focus the current, often you use a smaller electrode for that focus, whether it's a nodal or cathodal. And a nodal stimulation is thought to reduce uh, uh, the threshold for neurons to fire underlying mm -hmm. the area of uh, stimulation, whereas cathodal is thought to increase the threshold for neurons to fire. <coughs> and I, I just, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I do that. But um, one of the things that I think is important to, to talk about is that this is about modulating ongoing activity. It's not about causing neurons to fire mm -hmm. or Ab preventing them from firing. It's about increasing the likelihood versus decreasing the likelihood. Absolutely. It does not make neurons fire. It does not stop neurons from firing. It just makes it more likely or less likely for them to fire, given somebody doing an activity. Right. So you can change the threshold for neurons to fire, but if somebody's not using that area of cortex, it doesn't matter. Right. Nothing's going to happen. Are they working in concert together? What do you mean? At the same time? The cathodal and yeah. anodal? Yes, they are. And that's why... Okay. Like if you're focusing one in a certain area, you want to use a smaller electrode and you want to make use a bigger electrode yeah. for the one you're not focusing. So for example, a common montage for stimulating the frontal lobe, you have a, 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 an anodal uh, a, a electrode over the left dorsolateral prefrontal cortex about right here. Mm -hmm. And say you're stimulating that. And when you're drawing the current out with the cathodal one with a much larger electrode over the orbit of the right eye. So that's one montage. Another one where they put the cathodal uh, uh, electrode on the shoulder or the arm to draw the current out. But obviously, both are going to have an impact on the brain somehow, right? Um, overall, the research seems to suggest that a nodal stimulation is more related to improvements in performance, and cathodal stimulation is more related to decrements in performance. And it should be noted, this is a very mild stimulation. Um, have any of you guys, when you were a kid, did you put your tongue on a 9-volt battery? No. Why would I do that? Of course. Yeah, of course, right? <laughs> well, everybody like, of course does that. Doesn't everybody? Of course. Why not? Yeah. No, I do not. So, you know, these, these units use less juice than that. A lot of them are powered by 9-volt batteries themselves. 
So it's very low. The highest uh, uh, dose that you get out of there is like uh, two ma. It's very low. Mm-hmm. So you might. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's right. very low. Okay, but just for my brain. So when so each one is working. It's not like one turns on and a millisecond later the other one turns on. No, you have to have both together. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so it's not a mistiming. It's yeah, and this okay. is yeah, and, and this is direct current. Uh, stimulation, so transcranial direct current stimulation is DC, so it's just yeah. always going, okay? okay? There's another one that's alternating current that's, that's going yeah, back and okay. forth, like, you know, modern electricity mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But people use that, too. I've never worked with that myself. Yeah, I okay. yeah. doesn't seem to be much research on that, either. There is, m- there is some, but definitely not as much as TDCS. Right. Um, one of the things that, that I mentioned when, when I introduced the show is this idea of it being non-invasive, quote-unquote. Um, it's only non-invasive insofar as you don't have to open your skull to do it. Um, and so in that way, I think it's a little bit misleading, especially for the, the home TDCS market where people are like, it's non-invasive, so I'm just going to crank it up. Um, because it, and Nick Davis actually, I think, wrote uh, an article not that long ago talking about that, that you know, caution in terms of use, especially with children. They don't have governors on them that say you can only go up to certain... I think that's not even the issue. I think I'm concerned about home kits and uh, do-it-yourself kits for other reasons. One, if you don't use a saline solution, uh, if you just use tap water, there's minerals in it, you can get a burn. Um, You can drive stuff into – I mean, this is a constant current. You can drive things into the skin. Right. You know, so that's not – that doesn't feel good if there's minerals in the water. Right. Um, The other thing is, even if there's a governor and it says you can only go up to 2MA, um, we're – you know, in the we, don't know dose de- like we don't know about dose. We don't know about dose dependence enough. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you want to, You don't want to go for more 20, 30 minutes, but still, um, a homemade kit you could go as long as you wanted, right? You could you could just set it up to go as long as you wanted. Um, the other thing is, there's precautions. It's non-invasive, but you don't want to use it if you have an implanted device, right. cochlear implant, pacemaker. Oh my gosh, right? Yeah. Um, if you have a metal plate in your head, you have any f- metal fragments in there. Um, if you have epilepsy, yeah, that's a really bad one. You don't want to do a whole bunch of positive stimulation to an area of cortex that that tends to fire a little fire too much anyway. Yeah, so definitely there are precautions, and I think that um, those need to be out there more. And I'm I'm really not so fond of the home kits. No, myself. no, no, no. Especially since we in, in the research area, we don't even know everything about like how this works, how to dose it right to get the effects per individual. And people are at home just guessing. Right. They could making be making their performances worse. Right. Well, and that's the other thing. Can I ask a question? You can. But um, what are these supposed to do for those at home listening that don't know what this actually is supposed to do? Why would you have one at home? Why would you do this? What, what's the point? Okay. Yeah. So I'll talk a little bit about what I've seen on the Internet and how they're marketed uh, for having them at home. And I'll talk a little bit about what we think they do in, mm-hmm. in terms of the research. So uh, I've seen them marketed for uh, mood like depression, things like that, pain. Um, and a lot of people on the Internet uh, write about, you know, the home kits that they can make for enhancing cognition. And the idea is if you um, either increase or decrease the threshold for neurons to fire in a given area of the brain that's associated with a certain function, you can change that function. Um, so, for example, if you want to enhance your memory, you might stimulate part of the frontal lobe or part of the temporal lobe while you're doing memory tasks, okay? And you can improve your memory performance on certain tasks. Now, is it a long-term effect? 
right? I don't know. We haven't looked at long-term stimulation. In fact, there might be a rebound effect right. where you keep stimulating and stimulating. The body comes to a new homeostasis, so you don't have, you know, right. that. And then all of a sudden in the real world, your memory sucks. Right. You know? But so when you, you get plugged in, man. Yeah, you're normal again. Right. You're just normal <laughs> again, though, right? Right, right. right. So um, there's that. And, and then the idea that you could passively just stimulate yourself to get rid of depression. I don't know that that's how it works. I don't understand why that would work. Um, all of the work I've seen and research I've seen usually mean says that you have to be doing something while you're being stimulated. It's, it's just helping you. Mm -hmm. So maybe while you're being stimulated, if you're trying to get rid of those ruminative thoughts, maybe that helps the depression. I don't know. I haven't mm -hmm. looked into the depression literature that much. I study cognition. But does that answer your question? Yeah, I just I, I was wondering. I just wanted to make sure that people knew that what yeah. it was about. Right. why people would do this. Yeah, right. so they're you know, essentially are trying to either reduce pain, reduce some kind of mood symptom that they don't like, or enhance their cognition. I mean, it's clear why you would research it. It's yeah. not right. clear of why you would do it at home, to me. Well, it maybe to somebody at home, but not, not to me. I think yeah. because it's so, these things would be, they're very easy to build and mm -hmm. uh, very low current, so people think they're really, really safe. And, and for the most part, they're Better safe in drugs. the right hands of somebody who knows how to use the equipment or has an understanding of it. But, you know. Gotcha. Um, so in, in sort of in relation to that, one of the things we thought we'd talk about, since this has been, you know, discussed recently, especially on Twitter, Matt, Matt is also a non-Twitter user. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> represent, rep represent social media mm -hmm. phobes. Um, no, not phobes. <laughs> haters. Mm -hmm. Haters. All right. <laughs> um, but there's been some discussion of this this um, cadaver study that, yeah. that uh, came out recently, and um, so maybe we can talk a little bit about about that. One about the, the study, um, and two about the discussion around the study. So, take it away, Matt. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, so at the last meeting of the Cognitive Neuroscience Society of CNS. Um, there was some data that was introduced uh, where they had a cadaver and they stimulated it and they basically showed that 90% of the current was shunted off on the skin and they said, well, it's not going to make neurons fire. Well, it's never intended to make yeah, neurons fire. We never thought it made neurons fire. I mean, if you want to make neurons fire, you do TMS or you do some other kind of form of neurostimulation. So that's some of the conclusions just there. There's I don't want to say they're erroneous. They're just not applicable to what we're doing. And it's good to have this kind they're of work. Moot. Yeah, they're, they're just, they don't extend as far as I think people are trying to make them extend. Right. I wish this was published work so I could mm -hmm. look at it more carefully, but it's not yet. Right. So, um, but the other thing to note is the study wasn't done on TDC, done with TDCS. It was done with al alternating current. So it's more mm -hmm. applicable to TACS. Um, so I, you know what? That is really interesting because I completely missed that little detail. Yeah. <laughs> no. Shock of shots. Really? <laughs> well, because so many people are talking about it in terms of TDCS. They are, and right? so like, yeah, right. So here, I just assumed it was actually that's a good point. You know, yeah. Yeah. The the. It's a really good point because people are making correlations not only with you know alternating current versus wet current, but live person versus dead person. Right. Last I checked, <laughs> last I checked, the tissue probably works a little differently. Yeah, I think <laughs> with tissue. Live versus dead. Definitely, people. I think. And, and who, who knows, who cares how much current is actually getting to the targets if we're, and we have so many studies now of effect, right. you know. And one of the points I, I, I would say that argues really against this not working is in a lot of these studies, they're within subjects, and you have 
both in a nodal condition where they focus it anodally to enhance co cognition or motor function and a cathodal condition where you're degrading it and when you're under TDCS and you're feeling it you know you do feel it oh yeah I you was, can't I tell the kid. difference between positively focused current and negatively focused uh -huh. current so how would you mo how would all these subjects it'd be like the biggest right. conspiracy ever right. and the sham conditions are pretty good with TDCS sham conditions too. are pretty good I think in a within subjects design if you had uh, a nodal or a cathodal before you had sham you'd be able to pick it out yeah so sham what we do it's like our placebo okay. so uh, you turn on the unit you ramp it up you may leave it on for like 30 seconds mm -hmm. then you ramp it down yeah. because sometimes people do get used to the current and how it feels but not everybody does I don't yeah. it always feels like a sensation of warmth to me okay. so I know when it's on and I know what it's not on but so if you had a condition already where you had it on the whole time and then you feel that you, you can kind of pick it out if you reverse the conditions then you have an issue of you know one is always preceding the other and that's not a very good design st right. statistically right, right for doing analysis but the whole point is you know they said yeah I'm looking at the the printout here I think it was from online science or something it says they applied uh, alternating electrical current and they're drawing all these conclusions about TDCS and that's direct current yeah so that's different damn so but the, I think the take-home for me is that you know that you know alternating current at least is probably not going to be very effective on the undead. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> if you want to Well, have a fl you know what? Flamethrowers are always better anyway. Well, I mean, if you want to enhance their cognition or their motor function, like, you know, you can just think about uh, The Walking Dead. If we could right. get those zombies to run a little bit faster or something like that. I still think flamethrower is just always a, <laughs> it's a go to. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't think we're going to be using this technology on Necro-Americans or anything very soon. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> thank God. But again, <laughs> although I guess you could like ramp it up until they explode. I mean, that you might could do that probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it always takes a turn, Peggy. Uh, yeah. a new website, Necro Americans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so why don't we take just a little bit of a break and get our stuff set up? Um, One more yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Is this acting? I'll use the term that we use as a priming mechanism. Does that make sense? <coughs> I wouldn't say it's a priming mechanism. Um, I, I and more enhancing. Yeah, it's enhancing. not so much priming as is. And even enhancing might not no, be the right even, way to think well, about no, it because, because it I isn't think always enhancing. I think yeah, there was a study that was done uh, that was published. We got a lot of press uh, last year. <coughs> it said TDCS lowers your IQ. Yeah. And they did positive stimulation to left dorsolateral prefrontal mm -hmm. cortex in college students. Um, and they used 2MA. And they didn't show the practice effect you would expect mm -hmm. on serial testing on an, an intelligence test. Mm -hmm. um, other studies, 2MA improves performance. But it's also okay. the, the idea, like, if it's something that you're looking to do clinical application with and all of your research is on normal controls, um, I, that's also problematic. So there's yeah. the dose-dependent piece and there's yeah. also differences in terms of clinical populations right. versus mm -hmm. normal controls in their right. brain function anyway right. absolutely and it doesn't it, that translation I think is really tricky to do and that's why you need studies that has that have yeah. you know different doses and also different populations mm -hmm. there are studies th we need to have studies with different doses in them you yeah. know um, <clears throat> and there's a couple but if you stand back if you look at the literature as a whole on TDCS it kind of there's an emerging picture it seems like lower doses seem to work better on healthy folks mm -hmm. and higher doses seem to work better on clinical population 
whether that's going to bear out or there's right. like that's modifying factors, yeah. you know, there, there must be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also the, you know, location, uh, the, the location of the um, electrodes. electrodes and what what it's impacting. I mean, you right. and I have talked a lot, Matt, Matt, as you might, Cognitive. as you might guess, Matt and I talk a lot about, you know, cortex versus subcortex. Oh, and, you know, that. yeah, mm-hmm. he's like, you know, screw you, subcortex is basically what he says to me all the time. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Godspeed. Yeah. Um, um, but but you know being able to think about well, what is the what is the area? How big is the area that's being impacted, right? And and then also you know where on the cortex and and is it going to have any downstream effects? Yeah, right. and, and exactly. I I don't think anybody doing this work thinks it's very it's a modular thing. Right. I think they think it's a systems thing, and, yeah. and you're activating. Or you're at least enhancing the function in one part of a system, right? Which right. affects the whole system overall. Right. But sort of like Mass Effect, going to different <coughs> hubs in the universe. Oh wait, you guys don't play those games. Never mind. Um, okay, so we'll take a little uh, little break, um, and we'll come back. We got the cap on. I uh, measured his head, it was grossly large, <laughs> uh, it was regular, grossly, right now I'm just preparing the sponge electrodes, I'm putting a 1% saline solution on them, the sponges are puffing up, and I'm going to place them, and we're going to stimulate the left dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, which is a common site for many of the studies you'll see. Oh, yeah, we got a video of this, and then we can put it on. Oh, my goodness. I don't know you need to go to that. (laughs) No, we don't need to do that. I'm sure we do. Well, it's happening, so. I think a picture is enough. It tells, it's it's better than a bunch of words, or so I hear. I'm on this side of the camera. Yeah. <laughs> really, I'll remember. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> this will be used against well, you. I don't know. <laughs> you may or may not remember, depending on where we put I'm the electrodes. I'm writing it down as soon as I get off. No, so make yeah, make sure he doesn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got notes in my put, iPhone. Actually, put it on the temporal lobe. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we we really wasn't forgotten. Okay. I'm gonna first just kind of do a sham. Just gonna do it for okay. a couple seconds so you get a feel for it, and I. And, and you can probably tell me when it's off. You'll probably notice that. So um, let me uh, set this up. Is this a version of an at-home? Or is no, this, no, this more, is this is proper. One. Okay, this is, all right. This is a real one. Yeah, we've used, we've used lye to it. <laughs> you feel anything yet? It feels like um, a little hot, kind of like That's how needles. it feels for me. Okay. Yeah. So we got you at about 1 MA right now. So you feel that? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let that go for a little while, and then I'm going to ramp it down. Tell me if you can tell a difference. I think most people can tell a difference. Yeah, I'm, some of the research out there suggests that people can't, but I think most people don't habitually feel. Um, yeah, it's not as intense, although. Are you just doing the sham right or not? Lingering. Yeah. This dead air thing isn't going to work out for yeah. a podcast. Well, <laughs> so. Do simulation. Um. Not like before. Okay, so Sham's pretty good. Yeah. Been off for a little bit. So. All right. All right. So now I'm ramping gonna, up. I'm gonna go, and we're gonna do both. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're gonna do both uh, a nodal 
and Kahoo. I'm gonna go back and forth. And Deb, can you keep track? I, I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna do this behind uh -huh. his head if it's a nodal. Okay. I'm gonna do this if it's a nodal. Okay. Okay. And after each one, I'm just gonna ask you what you thought it was. Okay. Okay. And even if he's consistent in identifying something. What are you gonna do? One or two? For a nodal or <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, a nodal? Nodal. Okay. Cathodal. Cathodal. All right. All right. All right. And I just tell you whether I feel it. Oh, gosh. Right. Well, you can tell us what you feel and if it's different. Okay. Gotcha. You know, and if you, your guess, is it a positive current being focused here or is it a negative current being focused here? Yeah, of course. I'm, feeling, I'm right. not feeling very positive about anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> just wondering, why is this? At what point does his head explode? How high do you have to go up? Oh, wait. Yeah. That's only zombies. Sorry. Standards. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, that's that's intense on both sides. Oh, he hasn't given us. Hang on. And uh, we're gonna ramp it down. I'm gonna do something else. Okay. Those those caps are really super fancy looking, and I really think that we are going to. What did you think that last simulation was, by the way? What did I think it was? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to put it in context. I mean, I don't know what the difference... It would see if it's one's active, like, is that the, the, the definition? Okay, well, we'll just say this is your first stimulation. Let's compare it to the second one, see if it's the same or not. Okay. And we'll go from there. All right. All right. So this is the, the second one now? Yeah, we're going to do the second one. Oops. So you think you're going to need a couple of these at home? Oh, yeah. Definitely. A tractor cat? Mm-hmm. Where to the beach? Definitely could. <laughs> and it's, it's multicolored, so it could match any number of bathing suits. Definitely. Who wears bathing suits? To the beach? Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Lord have, you, have, have mercy. Are you to a beach I don't know about? Are you living in the European... Uh, <laughs> uh, you want something? Yeah. That feels the same as the Feels the same. Feels the same, okay. We'll do a couple It's like more. going to the optometrist. Uh-huh. So this is my main um, objection to that paper. Is people can't discern what kind of simulation it is, and we're getting effects mm. and meta-analyses out there that are showing effects based on polarity. Right. There's an issue here. Right. Okay. I don't feel anything right now. Well, I, you, you should. No, that's okay. <laughs> oh my God, you're dead. <laughs> I'm just. You feel something now, huh? Yeah, I feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's more akin to the. You should have been evil voice there, Matt. You feel So should we make him do something, like some kind of cognitive task? To no, we're not going to do that. Come on. Have a heart. Walk like a chicken. What is it he had in mind? Um, that, I barely feel anything now. Okay. So are you changing dose amounts? Same dose. Hmm? Same dose both sides. so interesting mm -hmm. like again having having done it mm -hmm. um very mild i don't know i'm just gonna ramp up no that's it yeah i think over time you get a little bit more used to the feeling too yeah i'll take him okay could be but the one time was very like the one time first time the first time was well the second time actually I, well, the second time that was really active was very intense and then afterwards it was all kind of eh. It's there, but 
Okay. It's hard to tell because um, the lingering, like, it linger. It seems to linger. Yeah. So like, it doesn't immediately. It's not like somebody stabs you with something. Yeah. And then it, 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 the pain goes away right away. It's not really pain, but um, it kind of lingers afterwards. Yeah. So, so that's it. What what dosage were you at? One. You at one. Yeah. Why don't you Why don't you ramp them up to two? I don't know. It might be fun. <laughs> By the way, that's my wife talking. Any lawyers out there? Please send an email. Any to lawyers? You. I went out of this. Oh, we took pictures. There's evidence. So unless you want more stimulation, I'm going to take this off. No, I'm good. Thank you for being a guinea pig. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. Um, so, so basically, you had mentioned, okay, the first one, uh, that was cathodal, and you mentioned, oh, I feel something there. And then the second one was a nodal, and you said, that feels a little bit less. The third one, you said, oh, I feel something more again, it was cathodal. Mm-hmm. But then I did a cathodal right after that, and you said, oh, this was, this was mild. And then at the end, I did a nodal. So, okay. so, so what does think, that mean? I don't think there was, he couldn't reliably identify mm-hmm. nodal or cathodal. Mm-hmm. So, um, I could have taken it out to like a hundred different trials, but I don't know that that yeah. would make a lot of sense. Right. I don't so know, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that you get used you would be able to, to gain. I mean it doesn't seem like at least with me, it didn't seem like oh, okay, I can tell the difference that much between the two that I can always figure yeah. out which is which. Yeah. So it was always like, well, Am I feeling anything at all? And what am I feeling is is intensity. Intensity's hard to yeah to judge yeah. at right. small levels. Yeah, so you felt the pins. Some people, like, that's yeah. the most common side effect. Yeah. People will feel something. Right. I feel a sensation of heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you felt more like kind of pins. pins yeah. That yeah. I, pe- I felt like pin, kind of heat and pin both. Yeah. And then some people say, I don't feel anything. I'm like, really? But it's like the research suggests about 20% of people don't really feel much. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Right. So the sham was worked really good <laughs> Makes on that. Makes sense to yeah. me. But the sham, you felt the lingering, so you c- it could have easily tricked you to think oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. that you're still being stimulated. Right? Oh, yeah. So. I mean, I can still kind of sort of feel it. Yeah, you now. do. You're going to feel it. You're going to yeah. feel it. Luckily, I used a saline solution, or you would be feeling it a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see the also burning why sensation. if somebody got one of these at home and thought it did something. Or maybe it does, but... Uh, and you thought, I mean, you went into it thinking it was going to do something, right. and you got that sensation. And you, you would, all day. Uh, yeah. yeah, you would be like, oh, man, I'm really doing some good stuff here. And more is going to be better. Or right. more importantly, thinking it's working and being right. correct. It, something's working, but yeah, maybe not a bigger power think. supply versus my car battery. Yeah. yeah. That would be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so. You know, if you're willing to put your tongue on a 9-volt battery, well, why not? 9-volt battery? It's like nothing, man. Come on. So w- one of the things that that um, I can't talk about intelligently, but I was hoping that Matt could, um, was some of the ideas about like what actually what it does, right? So they're look they're thinking that it has to do with calcium channel signaling. And well, you know that's evolving, and um, I really can't say. I mean, there, there's a lot of research out there. There show there's uh, data showing it changes uh, metabolites. Mm-hmm. Um, there's data out there that shows it changes blood flow. I can say safely something's happening. And um, whether we look at it from the uh, brain level mm-hmm. or we look at the behavioral level, I can say something's happening. Right. So. Yeah. So. Um. I know that there was a recent article about brain metabolites. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Right, the the one that was in. Um, yeah, it's right here. It's um. Yeah. It just came out actually um, by Antoine Hone Bianchet. I'm sorry if I massacred the name. Um, in biological psychiatry, um, and it's the the online effects of transcranial direct current stimulation in real time on human prefrontal and striatal metabolites. So we'll put a link up in the show notes, actually, for folks who want to take a look at it. Definitely. We know something's happening, not just from the behavioral data, but people have taken measurements of uh, active you know, muscles mm -hmm. in relationship to stimulation of the motor cortex. And uh, an ar article by Edwards et al. that we could put up, too, mm -hmm. um, showed that. So, mm -hmm. I mean, something's happening. So the cadaver study kind of suggesting that nothing's really going mm -hmm. on. It's, I mean, that conclusion just doesn't follow well, from the data. Dead. Dead. <laughs> I find the motor stuff fascinating. Yeah, I would I would think so. Yeah. Um, well, we want to look at this article. Yeah, that one. The one about the robotic arm. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah I read it. What, it's what good. A, can you guys talk about that one a little bit? Because Peggy, well, maybe Peggy can talk about it from her perspective. Well, what I, they use the term entrainment, and so that's why I was right. like, what's going on here with entrainment? Because that's what rhythm does is entrain. Yeah. So the she's, she's trained system. with Michael Tout. You know, I've talked to you about Michael Tout and yeah. his, his work on... Um, rhythm in the brain. Um. Well, I think what I would my okay my maybe it's a little off topic, but my question for that article would be why did they go to the wrist and not the shoulder? I don't know. I know it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have. I know. To. I, she said Reason, that. I'm like, I think it's a great idea. I did bet Matt. Well, would because have the shoulder to say about that is the stabilizer thing. for the wrist, so if you're not getting to the stabilizer muscles for where this is ending up. Yeah. And oftentimes people tend to look at movement based on the distal, you know, right. the, the thing that's yeah. doing the work. And they forget about that there's other parts involved. It's like the shoulder is the cerebellum the shoulder, of the body. Uh, the yeah. shoulder is huge, <laughs> huge. People don't crawl if they don't have shoulder stabilization. Right. Shoulder's important, man. It's incredibly important. I don't know. When I was a kid, I first learned to crawl by rolling. So I guess it's not crawling. No, 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 that's but rolling. Well, that explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, no comment. <laughs> you should have some DNS done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, no, but I find the article interesting and fascinating that they're able to see the muscular activation because in rhythm, what we see is when we turn on a metronome, the muscles are firing in synchrony with the rhythm as well. Yeah. So, anyways. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, well, actually, uh, you know who you should talk about that study mm. with is, um, why am I blanking on her name? Lovely researcher know. person. If you retrieve, know. retrieve. I know. Oh, my God. oh yeah. Torres? Oh, Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. Elizabeth Torres. Oh, of yeah. course. Right. Like, yeah. I bet she would be very interested in that. Yeah. Um, wow, we're finding problems. It's pitiful. Man, Saturday do morning. not get old. It is. I'm blaming Saturday morning. I hope I get old. Yeah, Saturday That's a good yeah. thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. That, that, and it's that been works. a really long week. Yeah. I mean, I am. a hard interview. It sucks. Mm -hmm. It sucks. Yeah. You were so hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're such a diva. diva. I, warned <laughs> you, I warned you about him, didn't I? Um, and so I think we should just take a few moments to, to talk about Prince because, um, and actually, I, when I heard the news when I was on my way to go give a talk to Matt's students um, at Harbor, and... Had to break the news to all your I, students. I didn't, I didn't even know. Yeah. Didn't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I was in my car and I cried. I was like, it's so sad. Like, he was so, he's only 57. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he's brilliant. Genius so. musician. Seriously. Mm -hmm. It's a great loss. Yeah, great. he played all the instruments. 
Yeah. And he's virtuosic on the guitar. Virtuosic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he told Beyonce to play the piano. Yeah, you should learn to play the piano. Everybody should learn to play the Absolutely. piano. Absolutely. It's very hard, though. Yeah. Well, I thought an interesting comment for for Prince was the Steve, he was on the Stevie Nicks song Stand Back apparently mm -hmm. yeah. and she came she, he told her him she told him that she was going to record he came into the studio and in 25 minutes did a piano piece that she said she can't re replicate in all the years she's done the program she's mm -hmm. done that song since then mm -hmm. even using two piano players yes yep. he just came in knocked it out mm -hmm. and left never to be seen again and I mean that's some that's some pretty wild artistry. So oh, uh, man. Yeah, I heard Genius. I heard, too, on uh, CNN, uh, one of the individuals that helped him with his mixes and stuff like that, said, no, he could just go yeah. into the studio, have the concept in mind of the song, knock it out, uh, do everything, every instrument, record it, uh, do all the work on it necessary to publish it in, in one day. Like that. Yeah. And that takes, that takes some resources, too, for most people, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Because you could bang out an album in 10 days. Well, and he did to get out of his contract. Yeah. <laughs> He's a yeah. smart cookie, well, too. Well, and the other yeah. thing, yeah, I just, you know, so much, you know, props to him for copyright, for copyright stuff and, yeah. you know, respecting himself as an artist mm -hmm. and not letting other people get away with screwing mm -hmm. him over. Um, and so when people are complaining about they can't get his music streamed unless it's through title, I'm like, yeah. oh, buy, go buy his goddamn buy records, it. man. Yeah, like, they're worth like, it. Right? Yeah. Go buy them. Um, so we aren't going to do any more catching up on the um, the Firewatch situation. It's done. Because now that Peggy has, Shut has it down. gotten past the Firewatch, she's like saying, screw this, I'm done. I'm over it. Back to Tetris. So, back to Tetris. Mm -hmm. Or, I love Tetris. Hey. Tetris is awesome. Love it. Tetris is you therapeutic. Like, like, There's studies. Of it, like uh, Dr. Mario, have you played that? What is that? Yeah, or you have the pills. Oh, the pills, yeah. The really hard one is the Pokemon one. I don't know and that it's, one. It's three dimensional and it spins <gasps> yep. around. It will drive you nuts. No, yeah. I won't do it. I can just tell you no, Sailor I won't. Sailor Moon Drops. Sailor Moon Drops. I heard about that. What is oh, Sailor Moon Sailor Drops? Oh, God, it's so good. Um, Phil. So, I just play Clash. Don't I don't know. <laughs> on my phone. I don't he plays play. Clash on his phone. And mostly yeah. he plays Heroes of the Storm. Not Clash or Clash. Clash yeah. Royale. Free. I don't spend Free. any Yeah, so Firewatch, it. done. It's an abomination. It was, yeah. it was great, but... But, done. But you're done. I'm done. You're you're, you're more of a, a gaming on your phone kind of gal. No, <laughs> not even that. <laughs> no I'm more of a reading. Kind of no, but, yeah. but Sailor to music. Moon drops, man. If you like um, match three games, Sailor Moon drops is is wonderful, and they all have all these little. It's Sailor Moon. It's Sailor Moon, and, and it's not only Who is Sailor, Sailor Moon? Moon. It's Chibi oh, Sailor Moon. Oh my god. <laughs> it's an anime. I never really? say that. To, like, oh. Never say you don't. I don't know, know what Sailor Moon is. Just an anime. Not just. No, truly, I don't know this stuff. I can't. My wife and my daughter uh, like it quite a bit. There's other ones that are much better. But what is Sailor? I mean, is the character? It's a Japanese it's anime. A, it's an you anime show. Anime yeah. Okay. So it's Japanese anime. <laughs> right. I know, but what I'm wondering is, is it a storyline, is it like yes. a comic, yes, or is it a story, character? And they're, yeah, so an and animated show. And All right. Okay. Anyway, it's a match three game. All right. But it's very good. You mentioned Attack on Titan? Yeah. I'm waiting for that. Me too. When is that coming out? Did, Matt, did you watch Lost? Were you a Lost person when it was on? Lost, yeah. um, did you see they're going to have a um, a, a Lost concert? No. What? Yep, it's going to happen. Supposedly, they announced that. Get that out of the concert hall somehow. Yeah. Get stuck there. Yeah. And then we you keep mean, saying we have to go. Wait, back. are you we saying that there's like a symphonic there's version? Be, yeah. They, they do that with com comic books. I have a colleague who does that, who conducts yeah. the comic books. 
Yeah, so uh, they're doing one for the, the music for Lost. Uh -huh. They're going to do a concert with it again. So anyway, so let's um, let's uh, wrap this up and uh, get on point. <laughs> that'll never happen. Uh -huh. um, so thank you so much, Matt, for, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. If people want to get in touch with you, um, how can they do so? Telepathically. Good That's one. your preference, right? Yeah. Um, no, uh, they can email me at mwright, W-R-I-G-H-T, at L-A-B-I-O-M-E-D dot org. So mwright at L-A-B-I-O-M-E-D.org. Um, and also, your lab, um, your excellent lab, why don't you tell us about your excellent lab in their Facebook page, even yeah, though Facebook so is the Facebook devil. we have a Facebook page. I think it's Harbor Nerd. Nerd is the name of our lab for neurocognitive equipotentiality recovery and development. I just needed something that spelled out nerd. Nerd, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Good. So uh, you, you can it. find us on Facebook. And, <laughs> Made it happen. Uh, we post different things there, occasionally some of our research and, and then other things like that. Yep, it's a great place and they're great people. Um, thank you again for joining us. And, and Jamie, how do people get in touch with you? I'm writing all right, Peggy. Nobody, Email. Peggy. No, don't get in touch with Peggy. She Email. does not want to hear from you. Um, Email. Peggy the Hermit. Peggy the Hermit. Um, I'm at Nebula sixty three on Twitter. And um, thank you for joining us. We'll see you guys soon. Bye bye. Peace bye. out. Bye.